you would open up your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, I, I saw some of you trying to direct Matthew as he was reading. He had the right scripture. I saw what was on the screen. We need to learn how to follow. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll start reading with the verse number 14. And the last couple of times I've spoken to you, I pulled some things from 1 Corinthians. And it just seemed as I was studying for today's lesson that this was a passage that we're ready to hear. Paul says the following to the Church of Christ at Corinth. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have left Timothy to you. I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And I would know, not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? And I would add, what do you want? <laughs> I want to use as a subject uh, this morning, where are the spiritual parents? Where are the spiritual parents? Now, now, let me define what I mean by spiritual parents. I'm not talking about mom and dad. I'm talking about the spiritual parents that are in the congregation. Some of you grew up at a time where uh, there were people at the congregation you weren't related to by blood, but they cared about you, they invested in you, and they corrected you just like your physical parents did. Some of us came along where there was an older sister or an older brother who latched on to young people and tried to share wisdom with them so that they would not necessarily fall into the pitfalls that they had. Some of us grew up at a time where there were people who would sit down and counsel and advise you because they simply loved you and wanted you to do well in life. And so my question today is where are those individuals? Because we have become a collection of folk who just come to worship and then we just leave and really don't care what's happening with other people. If we want real unity, if we want real growth, we're going to recognize we are family. And stop acting like you're out on an island by yourself. Because after all, that's why your life is as rough and you're struggling as much. Because you're trying to do all this by yourself. We are a community of believers. And it's time we started acting like a community of believers. And it's time we learn how to submit to one another. Now, that's how we had stronger congregations 30, 40, 50 years ago. This isolationism that we have today creates a group of folk who worship together, who don't really feel the spirit of God because there's no fire, there's no connection, and then you just leave here and live any old kind of way you want to 
until next week. So I want to challenge some of you senior Christians. And not senior, that's because you're 60 or 70. Senior because you've been around longer than other folk. Start being spiritual parents to younger Christians who you see that are struggling. Younger Christians who you see may not be getting the right guidance from their biological parents. But because you see worth in them, you see value in them, you see potential in them, you encourage them. You try to motivate them, and you do all you can to help them. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a strong congregation when I'm 70 and 80 years old. Even if they have to wheel me up in here. Uh, I, I want to know that we got some spiritually minded men and women that love, lo- love the Lord like I am, who, who are not trying to come in and pervert and change the worship service to suit their fancy. Well, I'll get more into that later in the sermon. I need for you to begin to understand that a church leader is a spiritual parent. And I think part of the reason we have problems submitting to church leaders because we don't know how to submit to our, spirit, uh, our physical parents. Now, I need for you to think for me. Uh, see, parents, when you let your children disrespect you at home, that same disrespect rolls over in the church. So you adults who disrespect your supervisors on your job, talk to them like you're the supervisor. Won't submit to their leadership. I'm, I'm wondering why you still got a job. But when you don't know how to submit to leadership, it carries over even when you come to church services. So for example, the ushers, when we're having a large crowd, can say, will you please move up so the latecomers will have a seat? And you get an attitude. Hmm. Or the ushers ask you, can you slide over and take your coat and purse off those two and three seats you got? And you start acting like you bought the chairs. And you have a right to leave all your stuff scattered everywhere, like you do at home. Because many of us have never been a part of a congregation where church leaders really acted like spiritual parents, we don't understand why they do what they do. Because in a lot of cases, our physical parents just let us do whatever we want to do. And I've shared with you guys uh, many times before, you can do whatever you want to do at your house. When you come to God's house, we got some real leaders up in here. And so stuff you tolerate, at your, you need to leave at your house. Because when it comes to the church house, then I get to deal with it. And you don't get to tell me how to deal with it. So if you don't want to be disciplined, keep your stuff at your house. See, when it comes to God's house, i got to deal with it because you'll use that to divide us. You want folks to side with you when you may be the one that's wrong. And so sometimes we don't understand why church leaders do what they do. It's not to be mean. It is unlike maybe what we've experienced in our physical homes. When the church gathers, somebody has to be responsible for the well-being and safety of the people. And not just the physical, but the spiritual. Because if we're not careful, people can be damaged, even at the church house. 
So just like uh, in the physical family, uh, sometimes your, your children like you, parents, <laughs> and sometimes they hate you. <laughs> Let's be real. You've been, you've been a child before, uh, and there are times you, you got all twisted uh, with your parents, but for those of us who were children a long time ago, we kept our mouth closed. Yes, these children today will talk to their parents like they're their friends. You know, back in the old days, let me just go back in the old days, you will find yourself getting one of those or a shoe thrown at you or whatever was handy. Now, Sister Bethany, don't come up talking to me about child abuse. Every time I do this, uh, she works for the state and all the child welfare and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about Christian parenting up in here. It may be old school, but it kept most of us out of jail. It kept you off drugs. And you're a responsible person now taking care of yourself. But just like children need their parents all the time, church members need spiritual parents all the time. And we can think I'm grown. I don't need nobody. Well, let's look at how you've been living and the kind of decision you've been making. That shows you need somebody with a little bit more experience to help you and counsel you and guide you. And we've got to start loving each other enough to let people know I care about you. I've told you many times that there are situations that have occurred in people's lives. I wish I didn't have to get involved in it. I don't like meeting with folk, counseling them all the time. I, I wish we'd learn how to handle our own business and handle our own problems. But when you let them start spilling over into the congregation, spiritual leadership got to get involved because we got a lot of immature believers here who will take sides without getting full disclosure or who because they like one person over the other, you automatically say, well, he must be right and she wrong or vice versa. Well, guess what? Both of them could be wrong. Right. Or your friend could be wrong. Or even your kinfolk can be wrong. Where are the spiritual parents? Are you a spiritual parent? You've been in long enough to know who our members are, who the people are that are on the straight and narrow, and who the people are that are prone to unnecessary detours. I want to look at Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth and what he says to them to help us to understand what a spiritual parent at the local congregation should be doing. Now, in order to appreciate that, we've got to appreciate Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth. Paul established this congregation in Acts chapter 18. And Paul was there about 18 months, establishing basic fundamental teaching. You and I need basic fundamental teaching to build on. Now, you get that through systematic, consistent teaching. Guess what? You can't get the teaching if you're not present where the teaching is offered. Some of you hit and miss so that you miss some foundational teaching that would help you with the issues of life that you're struggling with. See, when you miss, you really do miss. And, and sometimes when you miss, you ought to ask somebody, what, what was the sermon on? 
What, what passage was it from? Or if you missed the midweek Bible study, okay, what, what, are they, what are you all talking about? Or what did the teacher present? Did, can you give me your notes? Okay, let's go back to high school and college. Now, when you skip the class and you had some good friends, then you ask them, can you give me your notes? Some of you even ask them, can I look on your paper when we take the test? <laughs> and you're not, you won't acknowledge that. But there's a handful of you I know who cheated. And you need to be thankful to God you didn't get caught. But Paul had a relationship with these individuals. And he'd been there for uh, 18 months. He lets us know in the text he's their spiritual father. When you are responsible for birthing spiritual children, you become a spiritual parent to them. And you care about their growth and development, even if you're not around them every day like you used to. So there are some people who that I uh, worship when I, when I lived in Oklahoma City. I still maintain communication with them. You know why? Because I care about them. Can't see them like I want to. But I can use the phone. I can use the email and text to find out how they're doing. And the same thing goes for folks that I knew in Houston and whatnot because I care. And I got people who reach out to me because they care about me. And they want to know, well, what are you doing up in New England? Why are you still up there? <laughs> now, you guys need to know, I tell them I'm still here because the Lord has use for me up here. Because you all know, if it were up to me, well, I don't need to say that. You've heard me say it enough. But Paul was their spiritual father. He cared about their spiritual growth. We need church members to know somebody cares about you growing spiritually. We can recognize when you are becoming stagnant. We can recognize when you're walking out the back door. We, we can see when you start getting less and less involved and less and less present. It becomes obvious to a spiritual parent. And so Paul was concerned about their lifestyle. Because if people aren't growing spiritually, then they're not living right. Now, they may be living according to the world's standards. But let's be real. The world's standards and God's standards are not the same. And so people can think they are doing good because they evaluate things on the world's standard. And they never go back and reflect, but what are God's standards? And we need spiritual parents to remind us. It's fine to make, uh, have a high-paying job. But what kind of time are you giving God back to show you appreciate him for giving you that high-powered job or high-paying job? It's, it's fine to say you got a scholarship to attend college. But what are you doing since God has blessed you to be there where your education is being paid for? What are you doing to show him you appreciate him. So if you are forsaking the assembly, you, you, that's going in the wrong way. If you're forgetting that you still need to be involved in ministry because you're studying all night long, that's the wrong way. And we can very easily make those excuses because they're socially acceptable. And you can make them to church members and they'll just act like, but well, that's okay. I got news for you. It's not okay to miss worship because you're studying for a test. It's not okay. You may do it, but it's not okay. It's not okay to take the money you know you ought to be giving to God to go out and buy you some new clothes. 
It's not okay. You may still do it. And so I say that as a spiritual parent. And I know some of you will follow that, and some of you say, he don't have no business telling me that. Well, I've been around a little bit longer than some of you. Uh, And I know you can't beat God giving. But I also know there will come a time where you're going to need God to take care of you. So uh, it's good to have a clear conscience in knowing I did what I was supposed to do when I could. So having said that, let's look at what Paul says in these verses. Paul says to the church of Corinth, I did not write these things to shame you, to embarrass you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Paul is writing this to admonish them, to put them in mind of what they ought to be doing because there are times where we need to be reminded of what we ought to be doing because we're not doing it. Let's be real. There are times when you get thrown off. Your frustration on the job, your frustration with your family, or your frustration with just yourself will cause you to say and do some things that you shouldn't be saying or doing. And and, and if if intervention does not occur soon, you will start developing habits and practices that are counterproductive to your spirituality. And so Paul was aware of these shortcomings with the people at Corinth, and he writes them. He writes to admonish them, but he reminds them, but I love you. I, I need for us to understand, you can love people and still admonish them. Uh, You can love people and still tell them the truth about themselves. You can love people and warn them. It doesn't mean you don't love. And we need to start assuming because people tell us hard truths. They don't care anything about us. It is the person who's willing to tell you the hard truths that actually cares about you. The folk who won't say anything to you, they are the ones that don't love you. Because Paul is concerned about them changing. And I know sometimes we hate to hear the word change. But all of us, at some point or another in our lives, will have to change some things. If you're new to the faith, as you are reading and studying, you will begin to see some things you used to think and believe and do that now you begin to understand as you're reading and studying scripture, you can't do that or think that way anymore. you got to change that. Uh, There are some situations that we find ourselves in uh, that we have been doing for decades. And the more you start studying scripture, you recognize, I got to leave that alone. That does not honor God. It doesn't matter what other folks say about it. And we ultimately have to change to determine who's going to run my life. Is it me or is it God? Now, that's a battle that many of us are still struggling with. Well, we need to recognize, but if you say Jesus is Lord of your life, then you've already acknowledged who's in charge. You're just still fighting. You're kicking against the pricks like Paul was doing. So Paul loved these individuals. He calls them brothers. Sometimes when you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you you start thinking, are these folks really Christians? I mean, if you just look at all the stuff that was going on, how they were acting the fool in worship service. But guess what? They were still Christians. They were carnal. They were worldly. They were immature, but they're still Christians. And Paul still says he loves them. He calls them brothers because Paul had a special bond with them. 
And I don't know about you, but as I read about Paul and, and his work with various congregations, it seemed like he had a special bond with all of them. Uh, and so that being a spiritual parent was just how Paul operated. Whenever he went in to establish a congregation, he gave it his all. He cared about the people. He wanted to go back and revisit some of the congregations, and he wrote them letters because he wanted them to stay focused on God. Some of you can remember when you were young in your faith, there were spiritual parents who guided you, who spoke wisdom to you. Some of you women, if you're honest, uh, some of the sisters told you that that hymn is just too high. You, you need to lower it a little bit. Some of you listen, others of you just ignore them and, and raise it up even higher. Some of, you, some of you older brothers, some, some, some brother told you, okay, you get to a point where you need to start thinking about settling down with a wife. And the women you're running with, not wife material. And you, you didn't want to hear it, and so you went out and married somebody like that, and now you're divorced. That there's a place for spiritual parents. And again, because nobody wants to submit, nobody wants anybody to tell them anything, we just think we've grown and we know everything. Paul cared about the congregation that he ministered to. And I want to say a word to, to those of us who have been privileged to be ministers and leaders at congregations. You need to care about the folk that you have been given the responsibility to lead. Now, I want that to sink in because it's hard for you, it's hard for a man if he didn't do that with his own family to now switch where he's leading a congregation where there are 50 or 100 folk. You didn't have the capacity to do it for two or three. And you, and you see that. We, we've seen uh, guys who got into the leadership roles and they couldn't cut it. They didn't have the capacity they didn't want to make the sacrifices. They didn't want to devote the time. It is challenging being a spiritual parent. You got to care, and you have to be willing to make the personal sacrifices. I'm not waiting for Lynn to tell me what I need to do as a church leader. If I do that, I don't need to be a church leader. And some of you brothers, you're waiting for your wife to tell you what to do. Ouch, yeah. <laughs> We're talking about developing spiritual parents that can help a congregation. So Paul tells us in verse number 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors or tutors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now Paul acknowledges that there may have been other people who have been involved and teaching you some things. But I'm your spiritual father. Now all of us can, if we look back in our history, there's a person, man or woman, that really have set your feet on the right path. They talk with you, they counsel with you, they prayed with you, they shared scriptures with you, and you can trace the fact that you are where you are now because of what they invested in you. 
Now, there was that one. Yeah, there were a whole bunch of folk. You know, we've all had thousands of Bible school teachers in our lives. But there's just a handful that you can say really stamped, put an imprint on my life and my journey that has kept me focused to the day, uh, to this day. Those are the kind of people we need more of in our congregations. So Paul says in verse number 15, you got many people who help you, but one spiritual father. And I like the fact he says, I'm your spiritual father because I've begotten you in the gospel. That's important. He taught them the fundamentals of the gospel. He planted the word on their hearts. Now, one of the reasons we don't have as many spiritual parents in the local congregation as we ought to have, because many of us aren't evangelizing. And so we're not investing in anybody. So it's very easy to just come and say, hello, how are you doing, and keep walking. It's a whole other thing if you were the one who studied with this person. You're the person who counseled and prayed with them. You are concerned when their seat is empty on Sunday. If nobody else checks on them, you're going to check on them. Now, let's be real. A lot of you will check on folk or ask about people after they've been gone three months. If you wait to three months, they're gone. There's nothing you're going to do that's going to get them back. A spiritual parent, the first week they're not here. They call him. And they'll let him know, if you're going to go out of town, let me know. That way I won't be worried about you. Anybody have any parents like that? That, you know, if you're going to go out of town, even though they live a thousand miles away, they, they want to know what's going on with you. No child can have more than one physical father. I think we understand that. You may have a stepfather and all that kind of stuff, but you got one man whose seed was sown in you. Well, guess what? No spiritual child can have more than one spiritual parent. I've worked with a whole lot of ministers over the years, and the one who's stamped my life, who imprinted my, my life, is Ornelius Crenshaw. Now, I work with Richard Barclay. I learned a whole lot from Barclay, but Crenshaw is the one who put me on the right path. He's the one who caused me to love studying and buying books. I, I, I was a graduate student in Oklahoma City when I met uh, Crenshaw. I used to go by the church building, just hang out. Just go there and hang out and just talk with him, or really just listen to him talk. <laughs> and every now and then when I was there, he wanted to go to the bookstore. And so I learned something. If I showed up on the days he went to the bookstore, he'd buy me some books free. <laughs> So, so my library started not with me buying books, but me going with this preacher. And he's there getting a stack of books for himself. He's just looking at me. And so he said, well, you know, is there anything on the shelf you want? Yes, yes that's it. So I grabbed it. He just said, put it on the counter. And, and so it was those interactions and those opportunities that, that helped me to begin to understand the value of a minister the value of continuing to learn and not being satisfied that you know a few verses. But recognize there is a whole lot more to learn and then to hold people accountable who claim to be a Christian. To remind them of God's standards, not the people's standards. I think I said something there. Because we'll get so caught up because everybody around me is being dumbed down. I'm okay with that. 
but you don't settle for that on your job. When you're in school, you want to make A's. Well, why is it when it comes to the church building and Bible class and education, if I know it, fine. If I don't know it, that's fine. Well, what are them values that you have over yonder that really ought to be here? And so many Christians have never become spiritual fathers and mothers where you bring in new life into the kingdom. And so if that's not the case, then you can be careless with people. See, see a spiritual parent is careful of what they say around spiritually immature people. They are careful about what they say around worldly and carnal Christians. They recognize those people have not grown to the extent they can handle certain conversations. And you don't want to become a stumbling block to people. So we begin to meet people where they are. You feed a baby baby food. You don't feed a baby steak and potatoes. Not unless you want to kill them. And some of us have inadvertently killed new Christians because of carelessness and not knowing how to be a good spiritual parent. Now, Paul could say this because Paul had some spiritual children that we can read about in Scripture. Anybody remember Timothy? And he mentions Timothy here. Uh, Paul met Timothy in Acts chapter 16. Paul saw something special about Timothy, and Paul put it in his ministry traveling team. Even as a teenager, Paul saw value and worth in him. Anybody... uh, uh, trying to encourage some of our teenagers to stay faithful. Yes. I, I, see, uh, I see a preacher in you. I see an elder in you. I see a deacon in you. I see a Bible school teacher. I see a song leader in you. We act like those are not the kind of things our young men ought to aspire to. Mm-hmm. I have had secular jobs out in the industry. I work for CDC. I work for local health departments and a whole bunch of other stuff. None of those jobs are as fulfilling as a job I have as your minister. Now, I have a whole lot more headaches as your minister. (laughs) But in terms of fulfillment and my feeling like I make a difference, nothing can compare to that. And even though I make less money, I feel spiritually rich. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want to raise every now and then. But, but, it's about, but it's about recognizing the gifts and abilities that God puts in you and where to utilize them. So anybody remember Titus? Uh, Paul left Titus out on Crete. And, and Paul viewed Titus as a son in the gospel. You guys remember Onesimus from... Uh, from Philemon, uh, Philemon, when we studied that, runaway slave, uh, Paul developed a relationship with him and caused him to go back to where he had ran away from and make a restoration in their relationship because Paul knew that is what was best for him in his Christian growth. And, and, and sometimes when you're dealing with people as a spiritual parent, you got to tell them, you got to go fix that. You can't keep running. You got to go back and apologize. You got to go back and make that thing right. Even if that means you got to humble yourself. 
Now, we will sing the song, humble thyself in the sight of God. But sometimes you got to humble yourself in the sight of men. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I like what Paul says in verse number 16. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Be like Mike. Be like me. Do what you see me do. Say what you see me say. So as a spiritual parent, you are not ought to be able to say that. There ought not be no daylight between what you say, how you can live, and, and how you practice your Christianity. One of the reasons we see so, so much drop-off with teenagers, parents, is because you're a hypocrite. You act a certain way at the church building, but your children live with you all week long. And, and they are trying to wrestle with the parents I see Monday through Saturday from these strangers that I see on Sunday. And what they will say is, I got to deal with this until I'm 18. And when I graduate and I can get out on my own, then I'm going to do my own thing. And then we as parents start wondering, well, why, why did they stop coming to church? They stopped a long time ago. You just forced them to come. See, if we're doing this thing right in terms of mentoring our own children, they will get to the point where they want to come. You know, when they're small, yeah, you got to make them come. You don't let no child make a decision on whether or not we're going to church services or not. You are there in their life as a parent to be a guardian and a guide. And I would say that's why delinquent church members, that's why leaders get involved to say, you need to be in worship. You need to be at Bible study. They don't understand. This is why you're having all these problems over here, because you won't submit to the will of God. This is why you can't find a good man. This is why you can't find a good woman. Because you're trying to give all your stuff to folk that have no commitment to you. And you wonder why uh, he or she won't look at you. Well, your reputation precedes you. So Paul says, imitate me, follow my example. A good spiritual leader will say that. Model after me. I believe a Christian ought to be at every worship service. Since I believe that, guess what I do? I show up at every worship service as long as I'm healthy. I believe that a Christian ought to give as he or she prospers. Guess what I do? I give as I prosper, not as I won't, but I give based on what God gives to me, which is why if you ask me what I give, I will tell you. Now, if I ask you what you give, can you tell me with a smile on your face? See, the spiritual children ought to see spiritual parents study their Bible at home. Not just talk about it in a Bible class or in a sermon, but they ought to see you doing it. Guess what? If they see you doing it, then they'll do it. Our spiritual children ought to see us bring one of these every now and then. Oh, and by the way, I told the 8 o'clock people I was going to do this. Raise them up if you got them. Don't raise no cell phone up, no iPad up. Raise, raise this. Okay. 
Okay, so, so the 8 o'clock service got you guys beat. There are about 90% of those people who had their Bibles. And I told them that they would beat you all. Because I know the spiritual children here in this house. Ouch. But Paul could say that because Paul knew if I follow Jesus, I don't have to be ashamed of anything I do. If I follow Jesus, then you can look at me and go with me. And we need to see that more in our brothers and sisters. People whose lives are an open book, open window. And you can do that if you stay with Jesus. He says, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul couldn't get there. But Paul said, I know what I can do. I got somebody who will come and do with you the same thing I'd do if I were there. How could that? Because Timothy was Paul's spiritual child. And Paul had trained him. And, and Timothy had seen Paul teach publicly and privately. He knew what Paul believed and stood for. So Paul could say, I can't get you, I can't get there, but I can send my spiritual child there. text says he's my beloved son, he's a faithful son, and he will represent me. It's nice when somebody asks you to do something that you can't do, that you're able to recommend somebody because you know them and you laid hands on them. And you know they would do the same thing you do if you were there. Now, maybe that's why we're reluctant to recommend folk. Because we know they got some rough stuff. And, and, if, and if I recommend them, they're going to do themselves overdoing what they're there to do. They're going to self-promote versus promoting Jesus. When I was in Houston, and uh, they, uh, folk would ask me to do a lot of the youth programs and stuff like that, I got to the point where I started recommending someone else. Not that I didn't want to do the presentation or couldn't. It's just that I felt somebody closer to their age couldn't make a better connection with them. Because, you know, we, we, we look at people and we make decisions about them based on how they look, how old they are, how old we think they are. And, and sometimes somebody who's closer to our age can penetrate where somebody older can't, even though they're saying the same thing. That there's a reason that Dimitri does some sermons up in here. There's a reason Alex does some sermons up in here. They are in a different age group. Now, y'all get them and say the same thing I said, but you guys just fall in love with what they said. <laughs> but I understand the dynamic. They're younger, they're closer to your age, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you, and you, you like them. You don't like me. So, so I get it. And I'm not offended. Because I don't do my job for you to like me. I do my job for the Lord to love me. And I don't have no doubt he loves me. 
Some of you do. Some of you do. And, and that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But I appreciate the fact that, that, that Paul could bring up a spiritual son and recommend him and say, since I can't be there, I will, I'll send him. But, but then Paul moves on to say, now some are puffed up or arrogant as though I were not coming. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And so Paul makes the statement, some of you are arrogant and you're puffed up and you don't want me to come back. You're acting like I'm not coming back because they didn't want to hear what Paul has to say because they knew that Paul would remind them of the very things that they had been taught. Paul says, I'll deal with the troublemakers and the folk with bad attitude and bad behavior. If you're going to be a spiritual parent, there are times where you got to talk straight talk to folk. If you're a spiritual parent, you know the variety of personalities that you deal with. There are some of you, all you need to be is pointing in the right direction. But there are some of you, you got to literally walk with them if you want them to stay on the right path. They are so prone to distractions. You don't believe me? People will come up here and make a confession and say, oh, I'm going to be more faithful in my attendance and all that, and the next Sunday they're not even here. <laughs> no, 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 what happened? You, you came up here almost crying to say this, and then you know, seven days later you can't be here. You, you need some help. And, and we need to start to recognize because we are too easily distracted. See, some of you need to learn how to go to bed early on Saturday. So Paul says, when I come, I'll deal with the bad behavior. But I like what he says. Uh, how do you want me to come in verse number 21? How, how do you want me to come? Do you want me to come with a rod? Or do you want me to come with, a, 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 with love and a spirit of gentleness? Your attitude will determine how I come. So he didn't mean a physical rod or stick. But he meant discipline and the word. See, some of us need the word spoken clearly in our lives if we're ever going to do right. And maybe that's why when it serves over, you quickly exit. Because you don't want anybody to say anything to you. But I need for you to understand some people need strong discipline. If they're ever going to get to where God wants them to be. They can't do it on their own. They're too easily distracted. They don't like structure, which is why they have problems completing things. Everybody wants to love and gentleness. And that's easy to do when you've got compliant people, when you have people who understand what they need to do and who simply do it. But in every congregation, you're going to have the rebels. Now, from a spiritual parent standpoint, you want to separate the sheep from the goats. Now, you know Jesus is going to do that come Judgment Day. But before we die, that there needs to be some adherence to the fact we got some sheep up in here and we got some goats up in here. And some people, oh, you, you calling me a goat. <laughs> I'm calling out your behavior. 
You got goatish behavior. <laughs> but he also makes a statement in verses 19 and 20 about this whole idea of hearing what people say and then the power. We are good talkers about I'm going to do this and I do this and all that kind of stuff. But much, many times our lives don't match up with our speech. And we need to be challenged in those areas to recognize sometimes don't say anything until you're ready to do it. Don't come down here saying you're making a confession until you have repented. Because simply making a confession because you've been caught and you've been exposed, but your heart has not changed, leaves the door open for you to go back to that behavior again and you end up in the same situation. You and I need to understand that's the job of spiritual parents to call us out. Because the person said, I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I don't want you to think you're spiritual when you're carnal. I want you to see who you are so that you can make the necessary changes, not for me, but so you can be right with God. We have forgotten that the goal of all this is to be right with God. And if you're waiting for everybody to get on the same page as you, I got news for you. It's not going to happen. Because everybody is not at a point where they want to be right with God. They will say that, but what about the power in, in their lives? What about how they live their lives? What about the choices and decisions that they're making? Because that's where you show your Christianity and what you do, what you say, and what, I mean, what you do and how you live your life. Well, let me go ahead and wrap up. We need more spiritual parents at the local congregation who love the people here to say, I'll be a shepherd, I'll be a guide. And I know we're not all, all at the same place spiritually, but I'm willing to walk with you to help you because somebody did it for me. Now, come on, let's be real. Some of you, you know, you would not be here right now if it wasn't for somebody taking an interest in you 20 or 30 years ago. Let's repay that person by passing it on. What you all, you all call it, paying it forward? Paying it forward. Let's, let's pay it forward and helping somebody else get along God's way. So, how do we do this? If you're going to be a spiritual parent, recognize you cannot leave people without loving them. Love the person. You don't love their behavior, but you got to love the person. And we too many times will assume if we're working with people, if we're patient with them, then we, we are endorsing their sin. No. Did Jesus endorse uh, the wrongdoing of the tax, collect, tax collectors uh, that came and associated with him? No. He loved them because he knew they needed compassion. They needed somebody to care about them. They needed somebody who was not going to mar them down in their past. So you, you, you can't leave people without loving them. 
which means you have to be willing to be around some people whose behavior you don't quite agree with. And you got to love them through that. All of us don't have the gift to do that. Because some of us got too much mouth on us. And you will have said something that you shouldn't have said. Secondly, you can't lead people without loving their God. God is the God of everybody. And so we have people who are misled and they misunderstand a whole lot of things. But if you are going to lead them, you can be a spiritual parent to them, you've got to meet them where they are. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you. No, it wasn't just for you. It's for the whole world. Guess what? Most folk in the world don't act like you. So what does that say about what God's love encompasses? You and I need to have the same kind of love as we go out to minister and encourage folk. You love people. You don't love the bad behavior. And if you have been doing what you're supposed to do, they know you don't approve of this. But yet you still see value in them. You can't lead people or be a spiritual leader without paying a cost. See, some of this involves taking some of your free time, some of your hobby time, some of your evening time, some of your shopping time, some of your surfing the net time, some of the sleeping late time to minister and be available to assist and help people. And sometimes it takes going in your pocket and giving a person some money to help them with the issues of life that they're going through. Not come into the benevolence committee and say, hey, we got this problem over here. You know about the problem. And you got a pocket full of money. God has blessed you. What do you think God blessed you with that pocket full of money to do? Oh, that's just for me. God blesses us to be a blessing to other people. And then you you can't lead people without the ability to say hard things. See, there's some things you're not going to understand until you get older. There's some things a child is just not going to understand because at the core they're selfish. They want what they want the way they want it. Guess what I've come to understand? There are some selfish church members who want what they want, when they want it, the way they want it, and they don't care about how their behavior impacts other people. They're just in it for themselves. And so as a spiritual parent, there are times where you've got to have difficult conversations with people. Now, you think before you have those conversations because you want to say it in a loving way. But you can't shy away from it. Okay, you, those of you who are parents, there have been times, I am quite sure, where you have had to have some hard conversations with your children about them not doing or following the directions you've given them. You, you had to do it because you recognize if I don't help him or her to understand respect for authority now, when the policeman stops them, and he says, keep your hands on the wheel, and you start moving, Uh, reaching for other stuff, you can get shot. 
So we need to help people to begin to understand how to listen and follow directions and submit and see those as not bad things. All of us have been called to submit to God. Leadership and authority is just rampant through life. As long as you live, you're going to have to deal with leadership and authority. In the house that you live in, if you don't own it, you got to live with somebody get laying down some rules. Now, if you don't like the rules, then you get some money and you go find your own place. And then you discover how, how wonderful it was being at home where you didn't have to pay no bills. Let's talk to some of these people who are out there who wish they could go back home, but they messed up the relationships. Parents are like, no, you're not coming back up in here. <laughs> On your job. There's a reason there's a supervisor there. You're not the supervisor. And if you ever want to be in a supervisory role, you got to learn how to follow directions. We got folks who want to be church leaders, but they won't submit to the leaders uh, that are already before them. So why should we select you to be a leader so you can become a leader who's a rebel? Yeah, you have some leaders that are rebels. They're quick to uh, uh, make statements about what they're going to do instead of focusing on what the body, the group of leaders, is trying to do. So where are the spiritual parents? Uh, I believe we still have some men and women who are spiritual parents, and I think we have some who desire to be. Uh, and, I, and I want you to know we need that ministry, that service in our local congregation. We need people who are willing to take people aside and talk to them and counsel with them and spend some time with them one by one. And you never know, you end up raising a preacher like me. I didn't start out in life wanting to be, I started out in life wanting to be a doctor, not a preacher. And then I, I switched to wanting to be a public health administrator, not a preacher. But through the encouragement of other people, through me understanding uh, how God was working this thing in my own life, I am where I am. And I thank God for that. Because as I shared with you before, I am happier doing what I do now than I was in all those other uh, areas. I, I like what I was doing. But I know I'm making a difference in what I'm doing now. I, I can see it. I see it on a, on a weekly basis. The other way, the other way, I had to wait for a report to come out. <laughs> Sometimes the report came out and said, that was wasted effort. But then you, you, you're being paid to do it, so you just keep on doing it. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I want to see our congregation grow and thrive. And I recognize it starts with good leadership, but that, that has to trickle down into the pews. So I can't do everything from a sermon. Some of this you guys are going to have to roll up your sleeves and help with in terms of the people that you have direct communication with. There are things that will come to your attention that will never come to mine. There are people who, they're not going to talk to me, but they will talk to you. So be a spiritual shepherd and help them. And then don't come telling me what you did. Be thankful that God allowed you to be used to help build up somebody in the faith. This day, as you have listened to the word, listen to the sermon, are you a spiritual parent? Do you want to become a spiritual parent? 
have you missed some opportunities to help out that fell right into your lap? If you have a statement, you have a prayer request, you have a confession that you need to make, we're going to give you the opportunity right now to respond as we stand and sing the song.